If you love the Adventure Sports Podcast, I'm confident that you're going to love Armchair Explorer. It's a new podcast by a recent guest, Aaron Miller, who is an award-winning London Times and National Geographic travel writer who basically sits down with some of the world's biggest explorers and adventurers and lets them tell their favorite story of all time. We're talking Olympic gold medalists who backcountry ski in Alaska to award-winning travel riders who walk across Antarctica in the footsteps of Shackleton, gorilla trekking with leading conservationists, great white shark diving with some of the best in the industry, as well as interviewing astronauts about spacewalking above Earth. It's honestly a condensed version of our show, taking the best of the best stories and letting those explorers tell them. If you're interested to hear more, I highly encourage you to check out armchair-explorer.com or just looking up Armchair Explorer anywhere you find podcasts. And let it inspire you to get out there and do something fun and do something epic. ASP listeners, you can get 50% off your first order of CS Instant Coffee by using the code ADVENTURE. Check them out. They've been a supporter of the show for a while, so it would really mean a lot if you went and supported them. Thank you. On the last tour, I had a really bad experience with someone who I think was just going through a really rough time in their life and unfortunately took it out on the group and then on me when I tried to ask him to lead the tour. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. Happy Monday, folks. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying healthy. I hope that you aren't going crazy if you're stuck at your house. Uh, I kind of am, so I decided to to go out in the woods, do a little social distancing this weekend, and uh, just just reflect on what is important and, and how we can uh, continue getting through this together. I'll, I know a lot of y'all are going to be looking at career changes after this experience. It's just going to be transformational for a lot of people. It's definitely going to be a, a before coronavirus and after coronavirus uh, life for a lot of people. This is going to be very pivotal. And so, you know, we've had a lot of episodes lately, or just at least a handful of episodes around folks pursuing their passion for a career. You know, I had something I pursued for a long time and failure after failure after failure uh, finally led to, you know, success, small successes, then bigger. And then now I, I feel like I've got a, you know, a real job that, that, kind of had came out of that passion for for bike touring and for adventure and for telling stories and obviously you know this podcast is a big part of that but we heard from you know Chris Whitaker as well as Aaron Owens Mayhew about um, just pursuing their love for backpacking and travel and adventure into a career and it doesn't always work out for folks and I wanted to share that side of it today with Caitlin Giddings who wrote an incredible article in Outside Online we'll talk about that a little bit more but just so you know it is linked in the show notes and it's titled I loved bike touring until I got paid to do it and as you'll hear in the interview as soon as I saw that and read it, I said, I have to have her on the show. Um, I really, we don't really get into the stories of it that much. So I encourage you to read the, the article itself. It's just, it's so entertaining. She's an incredible writer and, um, just, I wanted to kind of shed some light on the other side. You know, if you are going to pursue 
something outdoorsy or something adventure related, you know, there's a lot of realities you're going to have to face. And for me, it got me to the point, you know, here and there where I just hated it. I hated my job. I hated what I was doing. It made me hate, you know, backpacking or whatever it was or bikepacking because I had to, you know, thinking about it for work is a totally different mindset than just doing it for enjoyment, which is how most of us start out doing what we love in the outdoors or with the adventure world. So Caitlin's reflection is really good. I obviously would never encourage anyone from pursuing their passion. Absolutely. But you know, you need to know there are things that go into that, that are, that are real issues. And a lot of times you don't get paid that much. So (laughs) You know, I, every once in a while, I do talk to someone who has an incredible setup and just a dream job, and they they figured it out. But uh, yeah, anyway, enough of me talking. I know you hear that a lot, but uh, yeah, let's get into it. And I hope you enjoy today's episode and stay safe out there. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Uh, today we're talking to Caitlin Giddings, and I, I came across her because I, I saw an article on Outside Outside Online that said I loved bike touring until I got paid to do it, and that obviously struck me because listeners know I have a bike touring, bike packing background. So I immediately read the article and said I got to have Caitlin on the show because this just sounds incredible. So Caitlin, welcome, welcome to the show. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You know, a lot of us have something we love, but then we get paid to do it and it just changes the relationship of it. Um, But, you know, I don't want to start right there. Let's actually go back a little bit and just kind of hear, you know, you know, where are you from and, you know, what was your early adventure experiences and what kind of led you to bike touring in general? Yeah. So I grew up in Kansas and I was not an outdoorsy person. I was a very indoor kid. Um, (laughs) Growing up, I was really into comic books and playing Dungeons and Dragons and all of that. And yeah. (laughs) And then I just got really into riding my bike everywhere because when I went to college, I didn't have a car. So I moved to Portland, Oregon, like a lot of people (laughs) after college. And I started uh, as a bike messenger there. So I have spent a lot of my life trying to turn what I love into a job of some sort. (laughs) Did you enjoy that? Just bike message, you know, because it's, you know, deadlines and and fighting traffic constantly. Did you enjoy that? Yeah. I mean, I loved it. Uh, I think it gets portrayed commonly as a very exciting job, whereas like a lot of it's just kind of sitting around drinking coffee and doing the crossword puzzle. Um, Oh, wow. I I wouldn't have thought that at all. I mean, there are very busy days where you really don't get to sit down and it's pretty crazy. And it's definitely a, it's, I would say it's dangerous. So there's excitement there, but there's also just a lot of, you know, very chill times <laughs> that you don't really hear about from <laughs> people or are mic messengers very right. often. No one's tweeting so, about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I loved it. It was pretty much all I wanted to do. And I definitely did it too long. I feel like I did it past where it reached any point of excitement. Not that I would say that anyone who wants to be a lifer is doing it too long, but I'm just meeting my own for my own self. I was ready to move on. And, and how, how did you move on? Did did you get into touring at that point? I, I know you eventually did do your own long distance tour, correct? Yeah, I started touring. I didn't know a lot about touring. I knew that somebody I was friends with had done it, but 
a friend of mine um, wanted to go on a bike tour. So we kind of planned it for half a year. And while I was a bike messenger, I was kind of planning to take a couple months off to ride from Portland, Oregon to Kansas City, Missouri, where my family was. And um, so, yeah, I was just kind of like, I bought the route, the maps from Adventure Cycling and kind of planned out a route to off of their Transamerica Trail. And so we were going to go together and I kind of counted on him to assemble a lot of this camping stuff. I'm not a big overly prepared person. <laughs> that's kind of like... <laughs> yeah, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I had no idea. I mean, I was a bike messenger, but like I didn't, I'm not a very mechanical person. I had no idea about like good touring gearing or, you know, somebody told me to get um, just a bike rack and some Ortlieb panniers. And so I did. And then my friend had had a sleeping bag for me and a tent because I also like not having grown up a very outdoorsy person, I really hadn't done a lot of camping. And so that was pretty much our plan just to ride. Um, he was he was living in Kansas and he was going to fly out and then we were going to ride back together. And unfortunately, he got sick the first day and what decided to stop on the first day jeez yeah so i don't want to throw him under the bus he did get very sick Um, yeah i mean you can't help it but like coincidence it's like holy cow that's that's unfortunate right but my idea i was like okay we're not that far away we can ride back or we can you know stay in a hotel um and wait this out uh but i think he realized like how in over our heads we were that we weren't really prepared for this and so he just decided that he was not gonna do the tour and so i was kind of at a crossroads and i just decided to keep riding alone which at the time my parents were really angry. Like I don't, I was an adult, so I don't, I kind of don't know why they thought they had a say, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) I, I mean, this was a while ago, so I didn't have a cell phone. And so I I called them from pay phones and they would not accept the call. (laughs) No way. They were really mad. Yeah. They were, I think they were just like, you're going to get killed out there. Like we don't understand what you're doing. You're on a bicycle. Like, I think they were just picturing me like on a bi- on a bicycle by the side of the interstate and um, and then just, you know, camping and by the side of the road, which was often what I was doing. But I, <laughs> I th- <laughs> so they were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it probably sounds more dangerous if you're not there doing it. But I had such, you know, I felt like it was such an epic adventure for me. And I just like developed so much self-confidence from doing that alone and I I don't know I guess I felt like I was like finally on the D&D adventure that I had always been preparing for (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome I mean that that does take a lot of guts I mean I remember my first solo was after a long experience with a friend and just like you people quit early on in the trip and I I was very honestly very scared about the and and it was not a wild terrain or out in the middle of nowhere I was like oh my god I'm out here alone with all these people. And so you know, I definitely commend <laughs> you. I know exactly what that feels like. Yeah. I think I just didn't know how much I didn't know. Like, so I being from Kansas, I didn't realize I knew it was summer. So I was like, okay, it's going to be warm. And I had no idea. This sounds so stupid now, but like, I didn't know it gets colder at higher elevation. Well, um. <laughs> I mean, you're in Kansas. How are you supposed to know? <laughs> 
uh yeah so like the second night or so or like no it was probably like four or five nights into it I was in the Cascades I guess it would be yeah in Oregon and I was camping out there and I just like was ill prepared for the cold like I had a really thin sleeping bag like the kind you might have on like a high school slumber party or something and yeah I just ended up having to get into the sleeping bag, put on every clo- every like article of clothes I brought. And then I actually got inside one of my panniers. And then I just pulled the tent down over me <laughs> because I was so cold and I just was shaking all night. And then um, two weeks into the trip, I reached Missoula and I rode straight to the REI <laughs> and just put a new sleeping bag on my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I can't tell you how much I can relate to this. Did the same thing with a down jacket one time. Just like, I don't care how much it costs. I'm buying yeah. it the moment I get into town. <laughs> I froze my butt off last night. And so so going through and getting that far, I mean, you said you, you developed a, a self-confidence. And, you know, by the end of that experience, I mean, were you just like this, I can do anything type attitude? I'm, I'm a new person. I Yeah, I actually felt that way. I, I mean, in some ways, I was like, I'm living for the first time. And I was like, I wrote about it a little bit in that outside piece. But like, I was super shy um, before the trip. I mean, I was always super shy growing up. But um, being alone forced me to talk to so many strangers. And I met people who were riding their bikes um, the same direction I was, or in opposite directions. And just like, spent a lot of time with other bike tourists, which was really great. And I just, I felt like I developed this self-confidence in being able to like talk to people that weren't like me or like people that I'd never met before and just start conversations. So yeah, it was, I honestly, I would recommend (laughs) doing something stupid like that. I mean, not that bike touring is stupid, but maybe just jumping into it without being prepared is a little stupid. Um, it, it can be, but yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like bike touring is a great thing to be stupid at versus maybe mountaineering where you could die <laughs> on the top of a Denali or something. But this is, I don't know, there's something special about bike touring to me about that. Yeah. I mean, road touring. Yeah. Relatively yeah. safe. It's not, it's not like you're throwing yourself out into the wilderness. <laughs> So you get through it and, you know, obviously I'm sure tons of people are asking you, you know, stuff, seeing you alone and, you know, like, where are you going? What you doing? So that, you know, all that together forced you to get out of your shell, gave you all this confidence, basically showed you I can ride a bike pretty much around the world if I wanted to. And and you go back to Portland, correct? After that? And, the, and then what? What, what? what was life like and what, what started going through your head then? Yeah, so I went back to Portland after that, and I felt like so, like, I felt like I was just a new person, like, so much had changed, and then I just kind of, like, went right back to my old life. Yeah, that was really hard. Like, all I wanted to do was bike tour, and so it was, bike touring was pretty much, like, all I thought about going into, like, a Portland winter where it's just really, like, dreary and rainy. So, yeah, that was when I was like, how can I do this again? I didn't have a lot of money at the time. And one of the things that had actually helped me on my tour was that I had gotten hit by a car and um, before the tour, um, like a few months before the tour. And so I had gotten just a small amount of money for that. Like I, I didn't, I had some injuries, but luckily I didn't have like major injuries that set the tour back. But I had gotten like a small amount of money for pain and suffering 
from that because they had hit me actually head on on driving on the wrong side of the road in the bike lane. So I just flipped over their car. Oh my um, gosh. And that was bike messaging, right? Like, yeah. Okay. Holy um, cow. No wonder your parents were scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, I think, I think they were terrified the entire period of time that I was a bike messenger, but uh, yeah, so I came back and, and I had used all that money for touring and I really wanted to tour again, but you know, being a bike messenger is not like a career in which you make bank. Um, <laughs> so, so I was kind of like, maybe I can get a job with a touring operation. So that kind of became my goal is to find a way to get back on the road without or like basically, not that I thought I would make a lot of money um, leaving bike tours, but I was basically like, okay, I just want to be able to like afford my own ability to be tour, you know? Yeah. And I think that's common. You know, we all have yeah an experience where, you know, it's so life changing and we're so in love with it. And, you know, through hikers, I talk to them a lot on this show and there's a lot of them, um, bike tours for sure. And especially when you're on the younger side, you have this desire to say, you know, all right, I, how can I make a living at this now? And how can I, in a way, build a career out of it? And you start figuring it out. Kind of like when you're your first tour, you just kind of throw yourself out there trying to figure it out. You kind of do it with your career too. Like, how can I just make this happen? And I remember myself exploring all sorts of avenues and jumping pretty, pretty heavy into opportunities like this. And so I, I assume you, you, you know, you, you did find a job eventually and, and, I mean, how did that feel? I mean, was it just like, oh, this, this, it's just going to be a a steady continuation of the life that I've been dreaming of. Yeah. And I don't think I really even knew there was an outdoor industry. Like, I don't think I really understood like what kind of jobs are out there in the outdoors world. I just wanted to ride my bike a lot. (laughs) And, um, and I was kind of tired of like sticking in the grid of downtown Portland. So, yeah. So I, basically found a job leading tours i mean what was what what was the first tour what did y'all do and and what was that like for you yeah so i went to a uh leadership training to do tours and um i kind of wrote about this in the article but uh at the time i felt like bike touring was largely i feel like it's changed a lot now which is so awesome like when i see all of the adventure rides happening there are so many more women and queer people involved in bike touring and younger people but when i was bike touring mostly all i was seeing was um you know middle-aged men or older older white men i guess and, um, which is great, but, you know, uh, I just, a lot of people were, when I was doing my own tour, just expressing fear to me that something would happen to me, uh, that I, it was unsafe to be doing, um, a tour like that alone or to be like a young woman out camping alone or so when I went to do, um, leadership training, it was definitely, you know, it was primarily like older older guys um probably retired and who had time to do this exactly yeah oh, that's yeah that's no, mostly totally see who's that. involved in that world is um retirees which is great i mean it, it actually is was really inspiring to me uh as a young person because i was seeing all these people who were in their 60s and 70s who were having all these amazing adventures and just 
who had led these like incredible lives where they had ridden all these places. So that part of it was really cool, but I actually feel like I kind of stood out a little bit in that world. And I think that helped me when I got a job on a big bike tour because they were like, yeah, we want a woman leader as part of this big bike tour. So Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, Roman. One of the things I hate the most about doctor's appointments is that I will schedule one and it's literally probably a month later before I can go. And then it's a lot of time before I get results. And honestly, you know, being a guy, I don't go to the doctor all that often. I think, oh my gosh, I think it's been years, literally years since I've been to the dentist or the doctor. And I definitely have some issues I need to seek treatment on. I just, I don't know, I did procrastinate in that department. And if you're dealing with something like erectile dysfunction, that procrastination is not going to pay off in the long run. Let's just put it that way. Good news is Roman has been spending years trying to solve this by building a digital platform that connects you with a doctor who's licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. So they make it convenient to get a treatment you need and on your schedule. So just grab your phone and really all you have to do is use your phone or computer and you complete a free online visit and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you free in just two days. So you don't even need to leave your house on one hand is great because I I love to work. I'm a workaholic, so I want to work. I don't want to take time out of my day to go to the doctor, take care of myself. I kind of just want it shipped to me. You know, we're in this Amazon culture and it's awesome to get stuff sent to us. And Roman has figured that out when it comes to dealing with erectile dysfunction. And obviously there's no commitments. You can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com slash ASP for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash ASP for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. And that is also in the show notes. All right, thank you. And let's get back to the episode. Wow. And so what was the experience like for you, you know, considering all that, and then also having to not just watch out for yourself on these tours, but a bunch of other people? It was hard. I mean, it's a lot of work. Uh, Yeah, because basically, you know, you're not you're not out there to really ride your bike. You're out there to take care of the people who are taking the trips, which I absolutely knew going into it, but it's, you know, you're, you basically don't have a day off and you don't, you're working around the clock since you're just camping with people. Um, so that was challenging because I think a lot of people are really great and they understand like that you're a human being (laughs) and that you need kind of some downtime. But, uh, you know, I think sometimes people's expectations, if they are paying to do a bike tour, or I'm sure it's the same for like river rafting or that kind of thing. They just have really high expectations of staff or whoever they're, you know, paying to help them out with their wow. adventuring. <laughs> wow. So, 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 and it's not like, you know, rafting where you're there for half a day or a full day. You're there. I mean, on some pretty long tours with people. So I heard you mention, or I I read that you mentioned, I don't know how much of the article you can talk about, but there were just some absolutely 
amazing stories in that thing. And, and one of the things you mentioned was that it was a lot less of like team building. More, it was more so like reality TV, like Survivor, like pitting people against each other in these really extreme environments. And it was just kind of a drama fest at times. Did, did, did you see that more times than not? Yeah. So I... I absolutely thought of it. The first tour I did was 40 people and there were, there was one main leader and then three staff. And I was one of the staff, you know, things went wrong really early in the trip. Like, um, so somebody was hit by a car, like on a long flat safe stretch where there was a shoulder and they were killed. And so it was truly awful. And everybody on the trip, you know, was understandably traumatized after that because it is, you know, when you're bike touring, you are out on the highway and some of the roads are busier than other roads. This happened to be a pretty quiet road, but I think it made everyone feel way more vulnerable throughout the rest of the trip. So, which is understandable. And people were also like, we were just meeting that guy and now he's gone. I mean, it was just very shocking. On so many levels, that's very traumatizing. Holy cow. Yeah, it was very tragic and it was, uh, yeah, it was absolutely traumatizing to all of the riders, which we absolutely understood. And then it was just, it was just a challenge of making the rest of the trip work after that because, you know, people were upset, but they also had spent a year dreaming of riding their bikes across the country and were ready to do that. So, um, so it was kind of like the trip still needed to continue. And so it was just a question of like meeting people's expectations for the trip, which were height, you know, heightened after that, just people felt unsafe all the time and people, you know, some of the people on the trip felt dissatisfied with the trip to the extent that, you know, they kind of took it out on the staff, which it, we were new there and, you know, kind of just getting our bearings of what we were doing as a staff. So it was just difficult meeting everybody's expectations. So it became like an around the clock job, just trying to keep up with everybody, what everybody needed and keep everybody from mutinizing basically oh gosh (laughs) did it ever become you know too much i mean i know eventually it did you moved on but like during the trip itself how how did you handle all that personally internally how what was going through your mind and and emotions through through something like that uh i mean i felt awful i so that first trip I did was we were driving vehicles um and later trips I did it was just me as a leader riding with the group um, with no support vehicles, but that was one that involved support vehicles. And I did feel some element of guilt, even though I wasn't there at the site when that happened. And so, yeah, I definitely like my personality is kind of, I don't like to feel like people are mad at me. So I, I definitely did everything I could to, um, you know, try to make people feel happy on the trip. But I think for some people, there was, there was not going to be any making them happy. Yeah. So the trip was really difficult. Uh, That was your first one, right? (laughs) Yeah, that was my first one. And I was like, this was horrible and really hard (laughs) for a lot of reasons. But I was like, but I think if I did, you know, like a more traditional trip where we were all riding, things would be better. Um, So I just kept going back 
and trying to lead more trips. And yeah, so those, that was, I definitely had better experiences later until the last trip, which I wrote about, (laughs) but yeah, it was just a challenge. I did think of people as, um, I did definitely thought of people as a reality show because there were just so many characters that emerged every time. And, you know, I think it's a lot of it is the fact that you're, you're riding your bike all day and then you're sleeping on the ground and you're dealing with all these people. I mean, I'm just trying to put myself in the minds of the people on the trip. You know, you're in spending every day uh, with people you've never met before. So, it, I mean, it is like the perfect sort of recipe for um, conflicting personalities to uh, <laughs> to kind of blow up. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, no kidding. Especially something that long, you know, so a lot of people can put on a happy face for a few days and maybe even a week. But when it starts getting into multiple months or a month, I mean, and not only that, but probably doing the hardest thing they've ever done, (laughs) volunteering to do the hardest thing they've ever done. Yeah, that's a recipe for and it's not like a reality show where there's prize money to, to, to try to win at the end. It's like you can just kind of let everything out. There's not a whole lot to lose at that point, it seems like. And and you're the one probably getting the brunt of all that, being being a guide and a leader. And so you having to ride those miles, it's, it's not just the fact that you also have to ride, or if you're supporting van, support van, but sounds like you were riding a lot of the time too. You're having to fight all these fires all day, and I'm sure that is just, I'm sure you're exhausted at the end of one of these. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the job, you know, to like ride your bike all day. And then when you get to the campsite is sort of like to deal with all the problems there, Um, which is like, can be anything from like the campsite didn't have the reservation, or, you know, people are fighting over the best camp spot, or people don't want to, like, we had a cooking rotation um, set up and, you know, that created conflicts. And I think people just got, like, tired and worn out and sick of each other over the course of months. And, I mean, in other ways, like, people form these families. Um, I mean, I'm still in contact with a lot of the people who have done the tours. But, you know, it's whenever there's, like, conflicting personalities. And a lot of the people who do the tours are retirees and a lot – you know, there's just a lot of, um, I think, like alpha personalities that sort of emerge. That is so fascinating. I've I've, ne- I've guided some, but only for, you know, at about a week at a time. So nothing this long or even really this hard. And so, you know, for you, what, be, be, getting into it for a little bit, what was your general feeling about, about doing what you love for a living? Was it something, you know, was it was it totally different than what you imagined or kind of what you were preparing for, what you expected. Yeah, I I mean, I think if anyone wants to sort of merge what they love with their job, you just have to be prepared for, you know, you won't get paid as well. Um, and it's just going to be really difficult because obviously everyone kind of wants to make that happen for themselves. So you're up against a lot. And I still want to believe there are kind of like ideal jobs in the outdoor industry because I, you know, I'm still like writing for outdoor publications. So I, I, I'm still trying to make it work in some ways. But yeah, you have to recognize that it's going to be immensely challenging just in ways you never expected 
What what were some of the ways you didn't expect or some of the more mundane challenges? Um, for me, bike touring, I feel like when I look back on it and at the time, what I struggled with the most was the fact that I was a young woman trying to have sort of maintain a sense of leadership over like largely men who are a lot older than me. And I just didn't have a lot of leadership experience either. I was just coming from like a different world. I feel like I just, I didn't have a lot of experience in the professional world or any of the world. Um, a lot of the men that were on the tour were like ex-military. And so I don't think I was very good at like projecting the kind of leadership they were used to maybe. And so I guess I really, that was probably one of the things I struggled with. I struggled a lot with just feeling like there were a lot of, there was just a lot of, I think the bike industry and the bike world, there's definitely a lot of sexism there. And I wanted to be, you know, I've always wanted to work in that world. And the challenge I think I faced the most that I just didn't see coming maybe is just that like I was always afraid that if I complained or showed that it bothered me, that people would say, oh, well, if you don't like it, you don't belong here or you can leave. But I wanted to be, you know, in the bike industry or the bike world so bad. <laughs> so I think I just like bottled up a lot of my frustration and pretended like nothing bothered me. Um, and that was probably like the biggest challenge in some of the tours that I led. Um, was just dealing with a lot of like sexual harassment and sexism and homophobia, which I don't know. I just felt like dealing with all that on top of just doing the job was just something I just didn't predict going into it. Not only are you having to do the the practical things, cooking and cleaning and literally riding, it's balancing all these societal pressures and, and, and just, yeah, like you said, sexism and homophobia and all sorts of personalities that are all on edge. I mean, it sounds like it's like you said, a recipe for just chaos, but you also say there's, you know, incredibly beautiful, um, beautiful experiences through it as well. And I do feel like, you know, I, I probably am wanting to focus on the negative too much. And so I apologize. <laughs> what, 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 what were some of the joys that, that, that it brought you and what were some of the experience with, with people that, you maybe saw them doing something they thought they could never do, kind of like you had done. I mean, I mean, what was it like for you on on the good side? Yeah, so I mean, I definitely uh, experiencing the country, like experiencing, as you know from bike touring, um, you see so many little parts of the country that you would never see from your car, just little towns and um, just so much more of the natural scenery that you might not pick up from the highway because interstates don't tend to go to like the, the best parts um, of the U S but I, I felt like touring gave me this. I had had not felt, I don't think I had felt in touch with being patriotic before I started touring. And then once I was, and I just saw these like incredible parts of the U S just the natural beauty, I would just be on my bike, like kind of silently weeping <laughs> because, <laughs> because it just like stunned me how much beauty there was, um, especially going down a descent. 
So that part of it was really magical. And I feel like I shared that with the people on the tours. So I would connect with them really close. Like we were a family because we were seeing all these things. We're like, no one sees this stuff, you know, like who else can we talk to about this stuff? Like when we get home, our our spouses aren't going to know all these like little places we've been. So yeah, you do like when you're touring, you do connect with all these little places and you stop and you talk to people in little towns and kind of like learn their stories because people want to know when they see your bike, they're like, where are you coming from? Where are you going? Like, How far are you gone today? But then I also feel like they want to tell you about themselves and kind of tell you about the town. Um, So that like that, honestly, I feel like that's what led me to going on to becoming a writer is just, I don't know. I felt like I was starting to ask the people that I met more questions about them than I was really like, Because, you know, you get kind of tired of telling people where you came from, where you're going. And after a while, you're kind of like, well, you know, wanting to hear their story. And just, you know, there's so many just interesting people along the road. So those were the things that really stand out when I look back on it. Just all the amazing little tiny places in the U.S. I would have no idea existed. Like, I feel like I just look at the U.S. or, you know, when I'm on a highway, I'm like looking at the shoulder to see if I think it would be a good <laughs> shoulder to ride on, even when I'm oh in a car. My gosh. You can ask my <laughs> wife. I'm like always commenting, wow, what a shoulder. That is a nice yeah. shoulder right there. Look at that. Look how smooth that is. There's no like, exactly. rib, you know, the, the rumbled strips. There's none of that. It's beautiful. Look at this road. And I'm always saying that. That is hilarious. Yeah. And, and, and it's so funny you say patriotic too. I, I you know, I was in college when I did my first one and I was going through a lot of, you know, existential, you know, different, just, just philosophies and counterculture or whatever you want to call it. And I remember doing my first tour and I was just like the most, I just was, I'd never considered myself terribly patriotic before then, but now I love this place. I love obviously the world and, you know, but I'm like, wow, this is amazing that we have these these gorgeous scenery and these landscapes and yeah patriotic i would say it made me more patriotic the more i rode and saw these small towns and heard these people's stories like real people and i mean there's so many things you're saying that i'm just like i want to go on a tour now (laughs) yeah (laughs) because it's so true and i I think it's just an incredible way to to travel so i absolutely understand falling in love with it to the point that you want to make it what you do for a living. But when when it, when it's confined into the, the only way to make money with something like that is usually to take other people. And then you introduce all these really complex things and, you know, c- conflicting personalities, like you said, and just all that. And so, so for you, you know, I, I'm sure that took a toll on your love for it when you were touring and, you know, eventually you got out of it. What what was that process like and why did you decide to do that? Did the better opportunity come along or did you get sick of it or what was that for you? Yeah, so I, I mean, I never expected to really make a lot of money. But even when you're just even when I was doing my own tour and I felt like I was camping for free in a lot of places, like you're just eating so much and you still have, you know, expenses back home. Um, so yeah, it's just the money of not being at work is really what it is, um, that you need. So that's kind of why, yeah, that I wanted to make it a job is just to not be like missing out on, yeah, to just kind of offset my expenses, I guess. And I think I would have done it and I was still working as a messenger throughout 
the non-summer months or when I couldn't um, be on tour or lead a tour. On the last tour, I had a really bad experience with someone who I think was just going through a really rough time in their life and unfortunately took it out on the group and then on me when I tried to ask him to leave the tour. And so after that, I was really like, this just isn't worth it. Like it's as fun as riding a bike is and as great as it is to ride with all these other people in the group. Like I just, I, this is too hard. Like this is too much work. And I think this would be better off if I just found another job and then, you know, made time to go on tours of my own um, and didn't try to combine <laughs> these two things. So I wanted to go back to school anyway. And I, I went back for journalism because I love the dying industry, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like bike messengering to journalism. Like I said, I was like writing all these I was writing zines about my adventures on the road which kind of showed me that I liked writing so that's pretty much all I wanted to do then and so I just went back to school for that and and then got a job at Runner's World in bicycling so let's take a quick message break and hear from our sponsor CS Instant Coffee with spring being right around the corner I know that a lot of y'all are getting ready to plan some big adventures. One of the things you don't want to have to carry with you into the backcountry or on road trips or whatever you're doing is a bunch of coffee equipment. But if you're like me, you really can't go a day without coffee. Uh, that might be a problem, but I don't care. I love it. So that being said, I take CS Instant Coffee with me just because, you know, it's super convenient. Uh, one of their packs can fill a 20-ounce container full of really good instant coffee, and I don't have to lug around a French press or, or, or an Arab press in the backcountry, and it's just a few little packets with some stream water that's boiled. And so it, it's really convenient. It's so good that I actually drink it at home a lot of the times out of convenience, They've been long supporters of the show, so I would really love for you to go check them out at csinstant.coffee. Use the code ADVENTURE at checkout, and that'll get you 10% off. Really appreciate it. Thanks, y'all, for supporting the show for so long. Now back to the episode. Once you got another job, like a, you know, a more standard job, was there like this, I don't know, this relief or this pressure taking off? Like, oh, and now I can go and enjoy what I love doing for just doing it rather than to try to make a living at it. Uh, yeah, I mean, in some ways, but I also like I I went from school to Runner's World, where I had all the these opportunities to run all these marathons with Runner's World, and so I like could not turn any of them down. And I did like six or seven in one year, and like really burnt myself out. So I yeah, I think I'm still battling that, like how you find. The fact that maybe your leisure pursuits are better kept as hobbies, because yeah, I, I'm still like trying to combine work. You know, I, I'm going to try to do a bike tour with my toddler in um, June across Missouri. I'm going to write about it. So I'm still like combining work <laughs> and by touring in some You're ways. Yeah, way. I'm still like trying to find a way. <laughs> well, holy cow, that's exciting because you said your your toddler is around t two years old. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm gonna. I've I've been you know our ten month old. I'm super excited to eventually take him on a tour and very young and 
I cannot wait to hear how that goes and learn as much as I can from you because that's something that I would definitely love to do as well. Yeah, I figure it'll either be really awesome or it'll be a complete show and then it'll make <laughs> a good story. <laughs> either way, it's going to be productive. Either way, yeah. if, if it's going to if a good story would probably is probably worth it to you at this point. I know, that's the sad thing is like when something goes wrong on some sort of like bikepacking trip or yeah, race, like running race, then I'm kind of like, okay, how can I spin this? <laughs> <laughs> We, we say in our house, I said, if it's going to make a good story, it's worth going through. And yeah, exactly. I have, <laughs> I have really bitten my tongue on that a few times where I'm like, this this is not fun. I don't care how good the story is. After this, I want this hard time to be over. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> but every time I look back, I'm like, nah, it's a really good story. I'm glad it happened. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the same camp. When it's happening, you're like, why can't one thing be easy? <laughs> And then later you're like, okay. <laughs> I wasn't, I was being dramatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so you're, you know, farther along down the road, still figuring it out, learned a lot along the way, you know, if, for folks out there who are maybe younger or maybe older and have the opportunity now to do something they've always wanted to do, any advice that you've learned for, for folks that want to essentially chase a passion for, for either, at least a partial living? Oh, I know it's a big question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think maybe just recognize that there are downsides to it. I feel I'm probably hitting the upsides too much in this conversation, but that there's, you know, it, I think some of the jobs that seem like dream jobs in the outdoor industry, and I still want to think that there are dream jobs out there, but um, I think it's all, every part of it has its like pros and cons, you know? So if you're, if you're getting paid to ride your bike or run or have an adventure in any way, there's, there's going to be downsides to it. Like you're giving up something, you're giving up some of that joy and freedom. And so I guess recognize that going in and know that you might just be happier just working a job that has nothing to do with your passions, but making plenty of time for your passions on the weekends or, you know, outside of work. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and you know, I, I think for each and every one of us, it just takes figuring it out. And so if, if you got to jump head first, like you did and realize early on, it didn't work for you or not in that way. And, and I'm similar. I jumped head first and it just was terrible, hated it. And, learn to dial it back and kind of balance it a little bit more but that took time and that took experience and so yeah I totally agree I would never discourage someone for from from trying something they love to do but if you can at least know that if it doesn't go to plan it's it's okay you're not you're not you don't you don't not love the thing enough to make it you know what I mean I felt guilty that I wasn't making it work sometimes because like, oh, apparently I'm not passionate enough, but that's just not the case at all. It's sometimes it's just just as hard to make a living at certain things. So Yeah. And and I mean, there are people in the outdoor industry that I know that are kind of I feel like some of their passion for it is a little dampened by the fact that it's part of their job. So yeah, you know, if if you want to maintain that passion, if you want to make it your job, that's great. And you know, it's always great to be passionate about something in your workplace. But um, but yeah, if you can't make that happen, it's it's also 
you know, then you have kind of an unhampered passion. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that wasn't very articulate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you have to write it down first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, that's what I'm like. I have to let you know, I'm a, this is why I'm a writer and not a, <laughs> that's funny. not a speaker. <laughs> yeah. I'm the complete opposite. I cannot, I don't have, I cannot sit down and write, but I love talking. Um, oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> listening. And, and so audio is definitely my, my mode, if you will, my medium, but no, I, I'd love to, you know, f for you to share. I really appreciate your time. But where can people find out more about you and your story and your work? Um, I at CaitlinGiddings dot com, or I'm at CaitlinGiddings on Instagram and Twitter. So yeah, say hi. <laughs> cool. Well, I will put all that in the show notes and. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on and, and telling a little bit about your story and just, you know, I absolutely love the article. I'm going to link it so that people can get a little more detail on some of those stories. And so I'm glad we didn't really get into it because it, it'll, it'll, it'll draw them into the article because it's uh, very well written, very entertaining, definitely worth a read and, and just um, amazing stories, honestly, just pretty wild stuff you went through. So thank you again for for coming on and, and telling kind of an audio version of it. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was like, it was really great to talk to you. And I, I was trying really hard to resist my reporter's instinct to like turn all the questions around on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> but I was like, you probably want to get back to your kid at some point. Yeah, <laughs> you probably do too. He's, he's asleep now, I think. Okay. So. I'm good. I'm home free for the rest of the night. So <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> all right. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much. I'll let you know when it comes out and uh, yeah, look forward to maybe talking again one day or reading your work moving forward. So, so thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Have a good night. All right. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>